previously on Film Code. 2019. Yes. And your director and writer are the same person. She has only had five feature films. And yes, it is Celine Shiyama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Of course, you know it is my favorite movie right. of 2019. Next week, part two, Phoenix Revenge Tour. It's coming. <laughs> it is my favorite movie of 2019. Let's yes. go. So, last time Phoenix had a code word. <laughs> talked about how I already had a code word planned, but um, because Phoenix made it so in- incredibly hard, I was going to do a revenge tour. Um, this week, I was really hoping that, that that wouldn't have to be the case, that I could share the code word that I had. It will sit on the bench for another week because this is now uh, revenge tour part two. With Nathan <laughs> heavily back in the lead and the new Cold World War beginning again. Can Phoenix be able to crack Nick's new code word? Uh, so my code word was growth. The year was 2010 to 2018. Features a lead of an iconic trilogy and only has one writer who is also the director. Plus, the guys review the award-winning film Sound of Metal. And take a look back at the 2019 Oscars and re award the winners all that and more on this week's episode of film code you are now film code start program going on everyone welcome back to film code it's another sunday for us recording wise not sure what day it is for you listening but it must be a good day if you're listening to film code i'm joined by two fantastic co-hosts sitting right next to me nick nick what's up nothing much just excited to talk about uh this movie i feel (laughs) like we've uh kind of beat around the bush of this movie for a long time and now it's finally time to talk about it We'll tell you what that is in one moment. Chances are you already know, but nonetheless, our other co-host today, Phoenix. Phoenix, how's it going? I'm awesome, guys. I'm super happy to be here, ready to start talking some movies. Finally, let's do it. Absolutely. And my name is Nathan Pig. Pleasure to be joined by these two. Pleasure to be on Film Code once again, talking movies with you guys. So we are talking about 2019s. Let me clarify. <laughs> 2019's Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film hearing is deteriorating rapidly and we'll come back till then lou we just keep going okay no lou no. let's play tomorrow let's see what it's like okay i'm gonna be like a click track you can play to me 
You understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me. Okay, you're in for me. Lou, you're my part. You're in for me. Okay, you gotta wait for me. I'm trying to save my life. Ruben, the world does keep moving. It can be a damn cruel place. But those moments of stillness. Olivia Cook. This movie is getting a ton, a ton of buzz. It especially did around Christmas and the New Year's because that's when it dropped to general audiences and dropped worldwide. The reason why I had to emphasize it's 2019 is because everyone's putting this in their 2020 ranked. Because it is. Because <laughs> it dropped in 2020. It will be competing at the 2021 Oscars. But it is an official 2019 release date. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. I just play by them. So <laughs> let's dive in. Non-spoilers. This is an Amazon original. Maybe a lot of people have not seen it. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have. But nonetheless, we will start non-spoilers for Sound of Metal Phoenix. Let's let's start with you. What do you think? Um, I think that this is a solid film uh, that I... That I that I enjoyed. Um, I think Riz Ahmed is the standout here. I think he kills it. I think it's such a uh, fresh and original role that he's he uh, embarks on. I think it's interesting for me because the first thing I'd actually seen him in was Venom, and so like to go from Venom to this, that is an incredible incredible amount of range. So I think he he's a very talented actor. He shows it here. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, like that to me is the, the biggest, biggest compliment I can give this movie is Riz Ahmed's standout performance. Well, I already have to disagree with you, Tina. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how much I can say without giving it, uh, get, not spoiling it, but this was not. This movie made me frustrated. I will I will say that. I was very frustrated by the end of this movie. <laughs> well, you both hit on a couple of things I want to talk about. Non-spoiler still. Um, look, I, I think Reza Med does a good job. Not a great job. I, I think people saying he's a lock to get nominated for the top five best actors to uh, for the year 2020 to get into 
the award show for the Oscars. I just think that's silly. I'm sorry. Like, forget my beef with with it being 2019 competing at the 2021 Oscars, but I feel like I could name eight or nine performances just off the top of my head that I think are better than him that should go to the Oscars. I mean, let's talk about it right now. You got Chadwick, Anthony Hopkins, and um, um, Gary Oldman, I think are locks. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I just think they're locks. And then you've got Delroy Lindo deserves to be in there. Um, Steven Yeun could be in there. You've got, I think Kingsley Benadir could be in there. I think he's certainly better than Riz Ahmed. So there's just several that should be in there at Lakeith Stanfield, but, but nonetheless, I digress. Riz Ahmed does a good job, not a great job. I just, I don't understand what all the, the hype or for lack of a better word, hype is about this movie. I I don't, maybe people's expectations are too low nowadays, maybe because it was December and not a whole lot of things were coming out because of the year 2020 people just clang to this. I, I don't know, but this movie was just average to me. It, it was. And, and I really don't understand what everyone is so in love with it about. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to comment on that. Um, Cause I saw this movie now, I think right around that time, like when it dropped in December, somewhere around there. And uh, I too was, was somewhat underwhelmed by it. And, and now some, some months later and really kind of blown away at the amount of just the overwhelming response to it. Um, and, and that's not to say that I don't, I don't enjoy this film because I do think there are enjoyable elements to it. And, and like I said, I, I complimented Riz Ahmed's performance because I do think he does some really impressive things uh, in this movie. Which I think, which I think, you know, what I'm saying, 100% are valid, and I could see his his placement in the top five of of, uh, of the year. I can understand it, even though there are there are others I would definitely put above him. I can understand I can understand him being here, um, but the thing about that is, I'm just like, yeah, the response to this movie I think is a bit much. Like <laughs> it's a bit much. Uh, there's some good things I think that are done here and I just I don't know I I, I can't I can't really comment until we get you know off uh, uh, onto uh, spoiler territory but yeah I think Riz Ahmed does some impressive things here and I think the sound design is is what really sort of puts it over the edge and makes it a very immersive performance so I think that's what's really uh, elevating in a lot of people's minds well let's let's do this before we break the seal let's get everyone's opinion is this if you're still listening you haven't seen it maybe you're on the fence about checking it out is this something worth checking out for general audiences phoenix what do you think worth checking out yeah for for maybe the the person listening that has not seen it that is undecided on whether to or not should they see it i'm gonna go with yes I'm going to go with yes, only because it's one of those movies where it's like, you, you don't want to, you don't know, you don't want to do like I do where it's like, oh, people hyped it for so long and then you go and see it and, and it's, it's not going to fulfill it for you. Uh, so I would, I would recommend seeing it, seeing it quickly so that 
you know what what people are talking about and you can join in on the discussion. Nick, what about you? I was going to say, I agree, but I still wouldn't see it again if you forced <laughs> me to. No, but would the listener who hasn't seen it, would you recommend it to them? Sure, why not? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going <clears> to... <throat> Excuse me. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to say no. Um, I would not recommend this to a general audience member. There are better under-the-radar 2020 movies out there that are worth your time. Um, Uncle Frank, The Banker, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Happiest Season, are all way more worth checking out than this. And that's not to drag this at all, as you'll You'll hear from my score. I am going to give this a positive score. I am absolutely not trying to to drag this, but look, I, I think there are just other things you can check out with your time that would be a little more fulfilling. So no, I would not recommend this in light of other things. So let's do it. Let's break the seal. Let's talk spoilers. Um, Nick, I know that there's one big thing in this movie that that really holds it back for you. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Yeah, the big thing that holds this movie back for me is just the the waste of time that that there is in the the middle part of this movie to to put it quite bluntly. So just to this is spoiler. So if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't want to watch the movie, if you listen to Nathan and you just want to hear our thoughts, then let me give you this overview. Drummer loses hearing, doesn't take it seriously then takes it seriously, then finds out that he ha- can get this procedure and that he can get it back. Doesn't have money to have procedure. Girlfriend makes him go to death camp and he spent. He learns sign language. He starts to live his life being deaf, realizes that, that he now has money for procedure because he sold stuff in his RV and his RV, gets procedure, finds out that it wasn't worth it, gets his RV back and then gets cochlear implants and says they're not what I want. So I'm surprised you did that all from memory. Right. So that that's basically the the whole gist of the movie. Yeah, I think from it, when from when he goes to the death camp all the way until he starts to sell the equipment and his RV, that's all just a wash pretty much. Because <laughs> it is because he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like you can have this, but it's like forty to sixty thousand dollars or whatever money they. He could have literally walked out and said, "You know what? I'm going to sell all my equipment right here so that I can afford the surgery. I'll figure out what to do. My girlfriend's dad, he's rich. He can he can buy the RV back. He could have done that right then and there, and he would have gotten his hearing back and then found out that it wasn't what he wanted. That that would have been it. But because we have to watch a movie and because it has to be more than than 40 minutes he has to go and waste his time at this death camp and he has to waste all the other time of the people around him who teach him sign language and you know try and teach him this life lesson that being deaf is not a handicap that's just a whole waste of time it was a waste of my time it was a waste of the movie's time and it was a waste of everybody's time so for for me i think it's a little bit it's a little bit different but around the same ballpark so I think it just completely switches tonally for, for no reason or, or plot wise, you know, he loses his hearing and he needs to cope with living without being able to hear. 
living without audio. So he goes to this deaf camp with these folks that live their whole lives, learn to live without hearing. And there's a very sincere and great message in that, you know, like someone who there, there are countless movies out there about someone who is not a part of a certain culture or group of people that then is forced to be part of that culture or group of people is accepted and learns to be one of them and then defends that group like they're their own. There are countless, countless movies like that. And this is one of them. And there's something special to be said about it because this brings a lot of light to the deaf community and to people who struggle with this every day. This has never been, though the idea that I just talked about has been done in film before, it hasn't been done with this specific group of people. And I think that was wonderful. Up to that point when he is learning to cope with his loss of hearing, I thought it was phenomenal. And I was one of those people that was like, wow, this is really good. He's learning. Sure, he wants to check in with his, his girlfriend. Sure, he misses a little bit of his outside life. But he's happy. You know, he's teaching the, the kids at school to drum. And this is literally him being integrated into this new life and being accepted. And like I said, there's absolutely some heart to that. But then out of nowhere, <laughs> nowhere, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sell everything and, and get some, get my hearing back. There was just no grounds to make an absolute U-turn in this story. It could have been solved very simply. It could have been solved by having one of the characters he got close to simply say like oh how are you adjusting like sign sign language to him how are you adjusting oh you know it's hard but i'm ready for this new life and they're like well i i would every day i wish i had my hearing back like i'm i'm grateful for this group i'm grateful for my life but there's not a single day that goes by that i don't wish i had my hearing back if there was ever a chance that i personally could get my hearing back i'd jump on it and then maybe his character thinks about it and he's like, wow, I do have that opportunity. Maybe I need to chase that. Uh -huh. But that's not what happened. They literally build up 30 minutes of, and for me, it's not necessarily a waste of time. For me, it's more of this, this U-turn on the road that, that is so out of left field. Uh -huh. Like he is so integrated. He's happy. He's learning. He's teaching the kids. He's getting good at living this life. And then just completely out of nowhere, he's like, let's sell everything. Let's get my hearing. It's as if Amazon accidentally left two scenes on the cutting room floor. They accidentally cut two scenes where, like, you're reading a book and you go from one from page 130 to page 135. And you're like, wait, what? What happened? That's what I felt like. Because this decision that he makes, there, there's no grounds for it. Mm. And it would have been so simple to make it. So that's my uh, little diatribe there. And, and my biggest issue was the U-turn that he makes wasn't like, we didn't see his like struggle or his turn in making that decision. Right. It was, it was just, yeah, yeah. I, I love this life. I'm good in this life. Okay. Now I'm done. <laughs> and that right. was frustrating. So, so I agree and disagree with you guys. So, uh, because we, I knew we were doing this, I, I, I sat down and I rewatched Sound of Metal. Oh, wow. And I feel so bad for you. Yeah. 
So I was like, <laughs> so, and the thing that I can say is that beginning part where, you know, they're playing the, their gigs and like suddenly he realizes that his hearing's gone and it's all of everything up until where he finally checks into the deaf camp is great. I mean, good. It is really good stuff. And everything that happens once he leaves the deaf camp is great. I mean, probably my favorite part of this whole movie is everything that happens afterwards. That middle part is such a slog. It is so hard to get through. And I agree with Nick in that, in that vein where it's like, this. a lot of this is, is almost unnecessary. You really don't need it because it's not that it's bad. It's that we keep retracing the same steps through much of it. So like, I know when you guys watched this, you told me like, Nick was like, I feel like I could have left. Like, and I wouldn't yeah, have missed and, anything. And like, see, that's, that's more so what I was trying to say is that like, yeah. after he goes to the deaf camp, I could have gotten up. I could have like taken a shower. I could have gone to Jimmy John's or Subway. Shout out Jimmy John's. We'll take sponsorships. Yeah, I could have gone out and like got food, come back, and I'd be like, oh, what did I miss? And I would have missed nothing. Because yeah. from then, and that's what I was trying to, to get across is that from when he, when they tell him that he, the surgery is expensive mm -hmm. and that, you know, he he needs a surgery to get his hearing back from that point all the way to when he makes the decision to start selling his stuff all of that is is pointless because for for me it doesn't add up to anything in the end because eventually he's like this isn't what i envisioned it to be mm -hmm. you know what i mean he was like oh i thought this was going to be a lot better and you know this isn't the same so i'm i'm going to get rid of it and for me, if you put all that deaf stuff after that, it would have been better because then he would have learned how to be deaf and learn how all that. The, the worst part is, is that he, he screws over everybody at the camp who he befriended, who spent their time trying to, you know, teach him the ways of being deaf. And I, I feel like up to that point, when he starts selling his stuff is where it completely goes downhill for me because a, it throws everything that happened in the last 30 minutes away. And B, it takes this powerful story of learning how to be deaf and, you know, having it not be a handicap because I don't know the statistics, but most deaf people would most likely not go through this procedure and get these implants because they either don't have the money or it's just not, not in their interest and for for a deaf person to be watching this movie and see him do this change of you know being a part of the community and learning that it's not a handicap and then saying oh screw this i'm just gonna go get my hearing back it was it was selfish but that's what i'm saying like there's no we often hear the phrase you don't just wake up out of bed one day and realize you want to do something different. Normally when you make a drastic change, no matter what it is in your life with hearing, with maybe a job, with maybe your significant other, like whenever you make big decisions in life, you don't just wake up and make that decision. Like you think about it over time. Most people consider things like 
they did not show him considering, wow, I'm doing well at this hearing camp, but I, I want the implants. Like that, that was never a thing. It was, he's becoming integrated. He is loving life. He's learning that deafness is not a handicap. And then bang, next scene is I'm getting the implants. I'm doing it. No, I need my hearing back. And it's like, where, where was this decision made? <laughs> and this, this is where I disagree, right? Because while I do think that they, they just retread a lot of the same areas during that, that whole middle section at the deaf camp, I get where it's sort of like, okay, here's this life that he can have, but he's still clinging to the one that he already had, right? And that's, that's where that decision comes in. And I, and I agree where you're like, we didn't get, we really didn't get to see that. It was so like random, like, okay, yeah, here's everything that's going on, but we're just going to snap back into, into everything that happens. And this is where I, I say, I like the third act the best because it's like, it's like, okay, because even though he did do that, even though it is sort of like a snap decision and it happens out of nowhere, you, he realizes in that, in the end that he can't have that, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's gone to him. And so he accepts it. So like, it makes all of those scenes in the, in the uh, deaf camp relevant because it's like, okay, he's seen what that life is like. And so, and he knows what his life before was like. So now he's choosing to accept his new life. So I get it. It is a lot of like slog and a lot of just, you know, fighting through retread, retreading the same steps and, and all of that. And that is, and that is really sort of like and for an entertainment value, it doesn't have a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll argue that it's not a very entertaining uh, aspect of the film, but story-wise, I get why it was there. I do feel like it goes on for a bit too long, but I get why it's there and it ultimately serves the ending. So I wish they, they would have done, they, they cut that, that learning how to be deaf scene and just put it at the end. Like, Make him have the surgery right away. Make him sell all this stuff right away. Realize that that's not what he wanted it to be. And then he learns how to be deaf because that's all he has. Rather than, oh, I'm going to learn how to be deaf because it's the only choice that I have. Oh, wait, it's not. Can we imagine <laughs> if in Infinity War, Thanos was just like, he's got two or three stones. And then he was just like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> nah. <laughs> You know what? Being so going and sitting in my chair in space was was a lot easier than this. So I, I'm just done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And we're like, wait, what? What? Last scene, he just collected a stone. This scene, he's like, nah, I'm done. See you guys. That's what this movie did. I'm sorry. Like we can talk about wastes of times. We can talk about retreading all we want. And I'm retreading this same conversation. And this is the last thing I'll say about this specific topic. But literally, there wasn't a scene of him considering. There wasn't a scene of someone saying, I wish every day I had my hearing back. It was, yeah, I love drumming with, with these kids who share a similar struggle that I do. Yes, I'm being accepted into a new group of people. I'm loving life. Bang. Okay, no, I, I want my own life back. I'm done. I'm done. It's just, and that to me was so frustrating. And, and Phoenix, I completely disagree about the third act. I think the third really? act was easily the worst part of this movie for me really? because you talk about retreading the tires. I think mm -hmm. this was retreading the tires. It was him at the party and this weird tension with his girlfriend and 
him just walking around doing nothing. And <laughs> I thought the movie was going to end like six times. It was, it, it, I think the third act when he gets to his girlfriend's dad's house, I don't know. To me, that whole part could have been cut and, and did not matter. That whole part did not matter because I couldn't tell you what happens when he goes there. He goes there. He has some awkward tension with his girlfriend, finds out that the dad never liked him, and <laughs> he still struggles with his hearing, which he would have struggled with that no matter the location. So, mm. like, that, that's like a half-hour scene, too. So, no, the third act, for me, didn't provide any value. And, th- and this is where, like, okay – I totally, totally get that, right? Because that was me after I, after I first watched it. There's so much of just like, okay, where are we going here? You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we, we're doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, okay, like it, to me, this is a movie that I think gains more appreciation the more you think about it as opposed to a movie that, you know what I'm saying, you, you really get in the moment. Um, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Some people might might see it the other way around. But I know, like, for me, I was like, okay, I can see the value in 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 each of these scenes now than I did back when I previously watched it. Uh, it doesn't improve my overall thoughts on the movie. However, I still think, like, I think it goes on too long. I think there's way too much retreading the tires. It's just, it's, it, it gets it gets to a point where it's like a lot of the great things that are done here um, are, aren't done well enough that can erase all of the extra unnecessary stuff that's here. So it's, it's yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. And it's just like, I like a lot of this film. I really do. Um, but overall, I think as, as a film, as a whole, it, uh, it does, it does too many things that I just disagree with. Phoenix, I feel bad for you that you, you made yourself watch this again. There's, there's so many other things like La La Land and The Dark Knight that are worth your time over this, but, um, I'll change the subject a little bit since, uh, we've been going around on the topic for however long we've been going, but let's do talk about some positives um i really thought the the sound design Uh was fantastic Uh um whether that was forced perspective on the sound when we were like in reza med's perspective or whether we were just kind of like in the shoe of you know a third person watching the movie go on there were so many cool scenes where like and i think the only other movie where the sound design is this good is uh, a quiet place and i think the way that they used like the him being deaf in in the sound and the cochlear implants at the end was was probably the best part of the movie because yeah, it wasn't I, it wasn't the story that's for sure yeah i agree i agree definitely 100 with the sound design um like again especially watching it again it really comes clear it, it really comes through how much um they're they're trying to immerse you in Ruben's worldview and basically understanding how it feels to be suddenly deaf, which I think is 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 a is an aspect that, in terms of uh, you know deaf stories, we never I don't think we, I I can't recall a movie uh, that talks about that aspect uh, 
that well is, is where you, you know you're usually meeting a character when they're already deaf they've, they've pretty much gotten used to it they know how to sign you know what i'm saying but like we rarely meet a character going deaf you know what i'm saying and and losing his hearing so i think the sound design really did a great job in in matching that sort of hysteria and that sort of confusion as to what's happening and yeah just diving into diving into what it would be like for you if you know tomorrow you suddenly lost your hearing yeah and i'll comment on another positive as well that's not the sound design is i feel like we we just talked about this a couple weeks ago with nomadland and the fact that everyone at the deaf camp except for obviously riz Ahmed and paul racy were actual deaf people who mm-hmm. knew how to sign and i just think that's really cool i i unfamiliar if these people are are all actors i don't think they are but it it's really heartwarming and and very cool that we now have two movies that come out recently one's a 2019 and the other's 2020 (laughs) um that use people a significant amount of people that are not actually actors to carry supporting roles and that's really cool it really is like they signed superbly because you know, they are deaf and that's how they communicate. And that was just fantastic. That was fantastic. And again, I, I was someone who did not understand all the Paul Racy love before I saw this. Obviously I hadn't seen it, but I thought people are overhyping this way too much. I don't even know who this guy is. Um, no way, but his performance was really good. I don't think it's good enough to get nominated. I don't because best supporting actor this year is is the best it's been in <laughs> jesus like maybe forever so i don't think he deserves to get nominated but i do think it was really good yeah and and just to the touch on on that um i don't think reza med is is that good enough either <laughs> no it's not that he's not good he's good but he's not good enough to be nominated i think when you watch movies where people are nominated in best or best supporting roles you're like wow they they really shined like you you can tell as somebody just watching the movie why they were nominated and it just sticks out people who say performances in minari stick out i I don't understand you but um it just didn't stick out like in in a movie where somebody is is getting nominated their performance outshines sometimes the movie itself great example renee zellweger and judy last year i don't know if you saw it phoenix but she outshined that movie that movie would not be anything if it was not for her and i'm not saying every single movie because todd or todd phillips um and joker joaquin phoenix he didn't outshine the movie but still the movie was better because of his performance Mm-hmm. This movie is not per- better because of Riz Ahmed's performance. No. If you put somebody else in this role, it would be just fine. That's that's how it is. It, if you took them out of the movie and put somebody else in, it would be the same movie. Yeah, like let's let's say this, right? Let's do this. Let's flip John David Washington and Riz Ahmed. Does Malcolm and Marie as as divided as the two of us are? Does Malcolm and Marie lose some acting steam with Riz Ahmed and Zendaya? But does Sound of Metal change at all with John David Washington? To me, I don't think it does. Like, 
my problems with Sound of Metal is is mostly with the story. I think John David Washington's a good actor. I think Riz Ahmed's a good actor. But I don't think, like, this is, by God, a perfect casting by any means. But I don't think it's a special performance. Both are good actors. Riz Ahmed is a good actor. I've, I've seen Riz Ahmed in a lot. The Mandalorian. No, he's not in The Mandalorian. Who's the one? Yeah, he is. He's in Rogue One, but he's not in The Mandalorian. Oh, he's in Rogue One. So, like, I've seen him in The Night Of before he was actually big. So he's a good actor, but this performance is not special. I'm sorry. It's it's just not. You could I could name a bunch of actors that, that could do this. And, and and you bring up a very interesting point because uh I I I I wanna disagree, but I actually think you're right. Is that um yeah, if you i think if you replace this if you replace Riz Ahmed in this with someone who's right with someone similar name similar, similar stature actor, you know what i'm saying like i wouldn't get a worse actor but like you know what i'm saying like i'll i'll give you a different example kelvin harrison jr i think kelvin harrison jr is a fantastic actor um and i think if you put him in this i think it does become a better movie <laughs> i think he's he's a tremendous actor right but, and we're not trying to say that like there's anything wrong with the performance it's just not special like this is I'm sorry. Like I wouldn't say it's not special. I think I think it is, and I think, but I think, see, you guys are, are a little bit downer on the, on the story than I am, and I and I think the story helps the performance, in 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 a sense because of what it is about. I and I think what they do with the sound design and how it's shot, I think, it gets a boost. The performance itself gets a boost from all of that. So, that's that's where we differ. I think. You could have the same story with a different actor and it might be the same thing, but I think what Riz Ahmed brings to it, brings to the story is unique. And he wouldn't, like I said, he wouldn't make my top five, but I totally get why he's in a lot of people's. Well, I said Riz Ahmed was in The Mandalorian. Phoenix, you can't tell me that this man does not look like Riz Ahmed. <laughs> this man looks like Riz Ahmed. Um, but... This is the last thing I'll say in the movie as a whole is that if they spent in in another jump cut, another like, oh, I'm on page 100. Oh, I'm on page 130. They show him like struggling to learn with with sign language. And then, bam, like two scenes later, he knows it like like his Ooh. like he started speaking it from birth. So I think you cut out everything after he starts trying to sell his stuff and you make this a a story of him trying to learn sign language, him going through the struggles, him becoming a part of the deaf community and see where it goes from there. But that's, that's my closing, closing statement. So another thing that I want to touch on real quick that frustrates me when movies do this is they leave, leave seedings and they foreshadow, but the foreshadow goes nowhere. And when he constantly, because they make it, what are you doing? Sorry, I'm they, listening. Go ahead. They do, they do it at least three times, right? Mm -hmm. They have him go upstairs, sneak upstairs, and check the computer. Mm -hmm. They make it very known. No phones, like no technology. Like this is our own little bubble world. You have to be committed. And he was not. Mm -hmm. And they leave those seeds for you to be like oh he's gonna get caught oh this is not gonna be good and he goes up there and he checks and then he does it again 
And then the next time the doors lock and you might be like, oh, someone knows he's been going up there. So he sneaks around the back and it's, it's a little tension filled. You're like, oh, he's going to get caught. He's going to get caught. <laughs> Nothing ever comes of this, right? And I'm not saying that in movies, every single tiny little breadcrumb has to lead to something. Of course, I'm not saying that, but this was not a breadcrumb. This was, this was significant foreshadowing. And it never came of anything. They they made it a big emphasis on no technology, no communication outside the camp. And then he goes like three, four times, doors locked, tension, music, nothing ever happens. Not <laughs> even not even when they're having that chat after the ear surgery and he's like, I know you were sneaking upstairs and, and that betrays my trust. Like, no, no, Man, they're, they're just oblivious. So that uh, makes me feel like they just... It, when that something that significant and like built up doesn't lead to anything, it makes it seem like filler time. And uh, yeah, and again, that happens in the middle, which I, I gotta say, like, I hate to I hate to get, go over this again, but like the middle is is the hardest part of this movie is is just uh, like there's nothing there. Like, I won't say there's nothing. There's meaning there. But in terms of what actually happens, it is, it's, it's a drag. But uh, we've been going for a minute, so let's go ahead and get final scores. Uh, I'll start, because I saw this a while ago. Um, and seeing it again, I got to say that my score still has not changed. Uh, this is a three-star movie. Um, I think Rizamed does a great job. I think the sound design is incredible. A um, little higher on the story. Uh, I think the direction is solid, but that first half and that third half are great, really great stuff. That second half is just, is just, it's, 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 it does, it's way too long and it just, it, it hurts everything. So three stars for me. Uh, Nick, what about you? Well, I'm going to go with three stars as well. Um, just overall frustrated with with the story. Um, I think it could have been a lot better. And just over overhyped movie overall. I think frustrating is a key word when describing this movie. It could have been a lot better than it was. It makes some random U-turns out of nowhere. And it's got a throwaway third act. I'm sorry. But overall, it's not bad by any means. It's just so mediocre and, and just okay. And that's disappointing to see how much praise it's getting for that. It's three stars for me as well. It's a B minus. It's just barely a passing grade. Um, just very frustrated overall by this 2019 movie. All right. <laughs> well, let's move on to what's good. What's good? What's good? What's good? Phoenix, can't wait to hear what documentary you're going to recommend this week. So let's hear it. What's been good for you this week? What do you recommend to the people? Uh, well, I wish I could say I, I had something different, but I don't. It is going to be a documentary. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I recently joined Film Independent. And uh, because of that, I get to watch, you know, everything that's nominated. 
And I finally checked out uh, Dick Johnson is Dead on Netflix. Uh, it's the story of a mother and mother and father, or sorry, father and daughter, who uh, daughter's a documentarian. So she and her father is uh, near the end of his life. So they decide to uh, document uh, him dying, but uh, by using very elaborate uh, accidental deaths. So like he, you know, someone throws an air conditioner on his head or he gets smacked with a, a piece of lumbar. I don't know. And then there's him falling down the stairs. It's it's meant to be funny and it's also dark and also a commentary on life and, and parenting and how we live long without our parents. And I thought it was just brilliantly shot, brilliantly done. It's such an emotional moving uh, tribute to this man. And uh, yeah, worth checking out, definitely. Dick Johnson is dead. Um, well, Nick and I watched everything together, most most things. So it was a light week as far as unknown movies. So unfortunately, I will have to recommend something that most people have probably heard of. Don't really like to do that, so sorry. But she's one of those weeks. Uh, Leon the Professional, finally got around to mm. checking that out. It was pretty good. I definitely had some some things that could have made it much better than it actually is, but I still had a fun time with it. Gary Oldman is, is mesmerizing <laughs> in this movie. This is by far my favorite performance of his. Um, Natalie Portman as well for how young she is. Just fantastic. The story itself could have been a lot better than it ends up being, but nonetheless, this is still a really solid film with with remarkable performances. I wish I had a, a little more low key recommendation, but it's just one of those weeks. Uh, well, I'll go with a, a kind of an under the radar movie, Phoenix. I don't know if you've ever seen it, um, but it is Project Almanac. I think mm. it came out, what, 2015? Mm-hmm. Um, a found footage, time travel story. Uh, it gets shafted on Letterboxd. It has like a two- to eight i think um which it does not deserve to be that low but a great little movie i think it's like uh 100 minutes or less um just a quick watch and and overall just a, a fun movie nice all right so we got dick johnson is dead project almanac and oh, leon and the professional and the gift and the gift all <laughs> recurrence of the gift all right well let's move on we got a really fun discussion for you guys today all three of us just absolutely love the oscars and it is around oscar season we're about two months away a little less than two months away But we thought we'd do something fun. So we are taking the 2019 Oscars and we're picking eight categories, the big eight per se. And we are scratching the winner. We're picking new winners. So take the winner out, take out Parasite, take out Brad Pitt, take out, you know, Laura Dern, all those winners. And you're left with the nominees. And we pick new winners based off those nominees. So we also can include films and people that were nominated at the Golden Globes and the SAGs, I believe. Phoenix mm-hmm. pushed hard for that. <laughs> so if it was nominated 
for whatever category we're doing at the Oscars, at the SAGs, at the Golden Globes, they are eligible to be picked as a new winner. What happens is you can't pick someone who's not. For example, we talked about this before the show. Timothy Chalamet in Little Women, who was great, you cannot pick him as a Best Supporting Actor winner because he was not nominated in any of those. Any place. So you can't <laughs> just say, yeah, I love this this movie. I love this performance. I love this screenplay. But it wasn't nominated. It's going to be my winner. Nope. Got to pick from the nominees. All right. So let's uh, start oh, from... Uh, I want to I say uh, real quick. Go ahead. Um, so uh, this was, a, this was uh, something fun that I did at the last minute. And uh, I wanted to say, like, I, I pulled from all the televised award shows. So that's uh, that's the Critics' Choice, the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, and the Spirits. But in many cases, there were still ties. So I had to add two other shows that were televised, but mostly online. So that was the Gotham's and the Hollywood Critics' Awards. So, yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, still had ties, but we made it through and I have all of our extra nominees. So where are we starting, gentlemen? We'll start with screenplay. I was going to say, let's let's go from the, the back up. So let's start with best adapted screenplay. So all right. in case you're, you're a little confused, let me remind you one more time. All the award shows Phoenix just listed off, which is seemingly every single one. Um, <laughs> Surprised you didn't include the Film Code Awards. Anyways. Um, coming. Coming soon. <laughs> you just take the category we're doing, take out the winner for that year, and then you have the nominees left, and we pick new winners. The winner is off the table. So, for Best Adapted Screenplay, the winner at the Oscars last year was Jojo Rabbit. So that is off the table. Phoenix, who is your new winner? Well, let's see. Best adapted screenplay we had. Oh, I'm in the wrong year. <laughs> Hold on. So our nominees, I'm sorry, was Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Uh, Steve Zalian, am I saying that pronounced? Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Steve Zalian for The Irishman. And Todd Phillips and Scott Silver for Joker. And I am blanking on the other one. Anthony McCartan for the two popes. Anthony McCartan for the two popes. So we are adding to that. Uh, Micah Fitzman Blue for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And with that lineup, my new winner will be Steve Zalian for The Irishman. Really? <laughs> yes. All right, why? Uh, I think The Irishman is a fantastic movie. And part of the reason is that screenplay. I just think it's, I think it's Scorsese's, I won't say his best, cause I still have a lot of his uh, filmography to finish, but it is top notch uh, in terms of the story. And I All just, right. I love it. All right, Nick, who is your new winner in Best Adapted? So this is one of the, the, the few categories that I went back and forth on, but I'm going to have to give it to, to Greta Gerwig and Little Women. Um, I think just, I haven't, like Phoenix, I haven't seen um, a lot of the other stuff 
but um, I haven't seen any of the other Little Women adaptations. I have never read the book. Um, this is the only Little Women rendition that I, I've seen. Um, but I think what they were able to do with um, telling the story non-chronologically, and it was funny, I watched this twice in theaters. The first time I watched it, it took me a while to figure out when it was in the past, when it was in the present. And somebody on Letterboxd, I was reading their review, said that the color changes when mm-hmm. they like go into the, the childhood, into their childhood, it becomes more vibrant. And it was so noticeable the, the second time around that I watched it. Um, so I think what I, they were able to do with the story, the, the acting, um, it was just a, a great, great screenplay. So that's my best adapted. I'm very fortunate to have seen all the movies that were nominated for this, um, especially even you included A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which would not be picked. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to hit that same beat. You know, Little Women is going to be my new winner. I just think this screenplay is is fantastic. It's probably a top three screenplay of 2019 in my eyes. It's It's a top four movie of the year for me. The acting is phenomenal. The story is just out of this world incredible, especially for something that has been recycled quite a bit, made quite a bit. Um, this was just phenomenal. I, I love Little Women, one of the best movies of 2019. It was This was one of the easier choices for me when we were doing this. Um, I really did not have to think too hard about this in my eyes. So, And, and I, love, I love Two Popes. Joker is my second best movie of the year. And I like The Irishman as well, but this was still an, an easy decision for me. So Little Women is my winner. All right, let's turn it around and go best original screenplay. Parasite was the winner, so that's out. Who you got, Phoenix? All right, so your nominees will now be Ryan Johnson for Knives Out, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Lulu Wang for The Farewell. Uh, with that, this is a tough, tough category. I loved all of these films, um, but there's no way I'm, I, ah, I gotta go with my favorite movie of 2019, and that is Marriage Story. So I am picking Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. That, 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 yeah, that's where I'm going. <laughs> All right, Nick, let's hear it. Uh, this was an easy choice for me. It's got to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Quentin Tarantino's writing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in novelized form. Um, and I think it's like four or 500 pages. I'm super excited it's coming out this summer. So I can't wait to read that. But um, the feel of this movie is fantastic. This feels like Golden Age Hollywood. The inclusion of one of the the tragedies of that era of the murder of Sharon Tate and the um, the Manson family, I think they tied that in truly well, and it it was just an overall fantastic story. So many meta meanings, and I loved it. Nick and I did not talk about these picks, even <laughs> though we lived together. We didn't talk, so I have no idea his picks. He has no idea my picks. But we picked the same two screenplays because I'm going with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. It, for exactly the reason you just said, right? Like, there is the, the fact that you take 
a tragedy, the murder of Sharon Tate. Something that's so devastating in American history with the Manson. And you take a fictionalized, a couple of fictionalized characters in a fictionalized situation and just mesh it with this traumatic experience and make it a feel-good movie. Make it a hilarious movie. It's just so crazy. It's it's so crazy. I I can't think of many other movies other than maybe Inglorious Bastards, which is also by Tarantino, that takes a traumatic experience for American history, world history, creates a fictitious event, fictitious characters, and creates a feel-good movie. That's just so crazy to me. Yeah. So crazy. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this this was my winner, and this is a pretty stacked category. So yeah. with all that said, um, wow, wow. All right, let's move along, and I'd like to jump to director now. So who is your winner for best director? This as well was Parasite's winner with Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix, starting with you once again, who is your new best director winner? Uh, okay, so... We have in director, da 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 da. So hold on, let me find it. So your nominees were Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now, according <laughs> according to these calculations, joining that lineup will be. Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. With that, uh, my my pick, however, does not change. I am sticking with Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Should have won, even over yes, Bong Joon Ho was amazing. I would have I would have still gone with Quentin Tarantino. Yep, Phoenix gonna hit that gonna hit that same beat. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. I I don't believe he's won a Best Director. Um, oh. which is a true, true, true crime. I think um, ever since Django and then, or um, excuse me, Inglorious Bastards, then Django, then Hateful Eight, then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's gone this historic route where he like picks time periods and tells stories about that time period. Ever since he started doing that, he's been on another level directorially. Um, so, and I think this is just the cream of the crop, even over Pulp Fiction, which is a movie that I love. Um, I think he deserved this. Even if Bong wasn't here, I would have given it to Tarantino. Um, and I'm going to stick with that. Yep. All right. Well, different opinion here, Really? but I have a, I have a good way of justifying it in my mind. I am going with Todd Phillips for Joker Mm. as best Mm. director. I think to take just a concept like this, first of all, this sounded like a bad idea. Making a Joker origin story, a character who all his intrigue was the mystery. How is he so broken, so damaged, so psycho? And make a Joker origin story, uh, that just seems so weird. And then you've got the guy from The Hangover doing it. And <laughs> the last thing he did was A Star is Born, which is, which is great, but Joker and A Star is Born couldn't be two different movies. So, this just sounded like a bad idea. It really did. And even though Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, absolutely deserved best actor, still, sounded like a bad idea. He took a character like the Joker, and we sympathized with him. We were rooting for him. Even Arthur Fleck, before he was truly Joker, did some despicable things in this movie. But we were still rooting for him. 
And that's just incredible to me that you took a concept that was so, what the hell are you doing? This is not gonna work. Took a director who doesn't, this is not his expertise. It's not like they got people who do dark movies all the time. They, they got someone who's a comedy director to mm-hmm. do this. And, and, and to make a character so sympathetic and, and us really resonate with him and how divisive this movie was, that's how you know, not necessarily you did a good job, but your directing was was insane and your movie was insane with how divisive this is. Um, I'm sure there would have been some uproar, but <laughs> for me, I, I think I think Todd Phillips does deserve best director. Wow. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the supporting categories. Let's start with supporting actress. And this was Laura Dern's four marriage story. So removing her, Phoenix, who are our nominees and replacement. All right. So in supporting actress, you will, God, we would have had Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, Ugh, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, and joining them, who should have been here all along, Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. So, given that lineup, uh, I think for me, uh, uh, I probably would have gone with probably would have gone with Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. I think not only did she deserve to be nominated, given that lineup, she deserved to win. Um, Best performance out of all of them. Uh, Hustlers is somehow became an underrated movie in 2019, but it's fantastic. I think one of the top 10 best movies of the year. Uh, And I think Jennifer Lopez kills it. Worth worth seeing every every second. so yeah, for me, my winner, because she was nominated by the HCAs, the Spirit, the SAG, the Globes, and the Critics' Choice, and somehow missed the Oscars. So that's definitely someone who I think should have been there. Well, for me, um, it's gonna be Florence Pugh for Little Women. Um, get out of here, Phoenix. <laughs> um, other than Little Women, this was just a great year for Florence Pugh, even though I did not like Midsommar. That movie's gross. Um, she, was, she was good in that. Um, did not see Fighting With My Family, but just the range of from a professional wrestler to playing a sister in a period piece in Little Women and then um, what? I'm wondering how you're going to describe Midsommar. From a weird culty uh, I, don't, I don't know I, yeah <laughs> but Orange we had a great year and i think it was topped um off by little women her performance and that was fantastic and wow i think laura dern was the key runaway and i wouldn't have chose anybody else unless my hands were tied which they are so foreign people you know i i really like scarlett johansson in in jojo rabbit i really did i thought she was fantastic and, and you want to talk about range too scarlett johansson did this movie right behind me for audio it's avengers endgame you know she was black widow she was in marriage story of course Mm -hmm. and then she was in jojo rabbit three absolute banger 2019 movies she was all over the place between her and um florence Pugh, they were just everywhere in 2019 and now they're competing 
for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar in, in, in this category. I'm going to go with Florence Pugh, though. I am. I, I just... You know how I feel about Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting winners. You know how I feel. I prefer them to be in the movie, not in three scenes. And I saw Jojo Rabbit so long ago that I don't necessarily remember, but I do remember saying, Scarlett Johansson was great, but she's hardly in this. She's hardly in this movie. What the hell? She wasn't in it enough. If they... If they gave her more screen time, 100%, she'd be my winner. That's not to say Florence Pugh doesn't deserve this, though. She absolutely does. Florence Pugh deserves this, in my mind. She was great. I think everyone in Little Women does a great job. But she was, she was her and Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet were the best. So I do think Laura Dern, who is also in Little Women, mm-hmm. deserves this. But again, for the fun of the category, I'm giving this to Florence Pugh. Boo these men. All right. Well, let's let's move on. How dare you? <laughs> let's move on to Best Supporting Actor, which you want to talk about a runaway. Yeah. Brad Pitt <laughs> ran away with this category. I don't even think anyone else did a chance. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Uh, huh. and, uh, we're removing Brad Pitt. Yes, we're removing Brad Pitt, but I don't... I. Uh, like even with uh, adding uh, this guy, wait, hold on, wait a second. Is this the Oscars lineup, or am I looking at something else? Oh no, this is the Oscars lineup. Oh, he was here. Okay, all right. Oh, okay, I messed up, but I can fix that. So, um, okay. So now, <laughs> your new supporting actor lineup is Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, yeah. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino for The Irishman. Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and now Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. So, given that lineup, this is Joe Pesci. (laughs) Without question, this is Joe Pesci. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Brad Pitt was a runaway, obviously, 100% deserved, but my very, very next, like right underneath, was Joe Pesci. I think he brings a level of I don't know like just a veteran sensibility to uh, the Irishman that is undeniable I don't think you could have anybody else play that role that to me is significant so for me 100% it's got to be Joe Pesci I'm gonna go with same movie different actor um, and that is Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa Um, Joe Pesci was here Al Pacino was here, Joe Pesci. Uh, love all three of them, but he was the weakest of the three. Lies. From the Iron Al Pacino um, was fantastic in this movie as Jimmy Hoffa. Um, that's just such a fun name to say, but he was fantastic. Um, and I think my favorite performance from that movie. We're all picking the same movie. Which one am I going with, though? <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa was just it was great right Al Pacino in this role was fantastic all three of them were great we're obviously picking between the two supporting um, I just don't think Pesci's performance is better I, I think all three were great I just don't think it's better than Al Pacino so crazy. what can I say about Jimmy Hoffa that hasn't already been said but uh, yeah he's my winner 
That's that's crazy. Okay. All right. Well, let us move on, and we are going to let's flip it again. Let's go best actor. So, okay. the best actor. This was Joaquin's. This was locked up after I already after we saw Joker. I knew this was locked up. <laughs> I I didn't even need to see Parasite. I didn't need to see anything else. I knew this was locked up for for Joaquin. But taking him out, who do we have? I know this was a, this was another category where some people got I wouldn't say snubbed, but gave outstanding performances that were not even looked at because of Joaquin. Who we got, Phoenix? So your new lineup will now consist of Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Antonio Banderas for Panning Glory. <laughs> that movie sucks. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, and you guys are going to be so happy to hear this, Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. <laughs> so given that new lineup, I think it's without question. There was only one person who was neck and neck in my mind with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and that is Adam Driver for Marriage Story. I think he 100% killed it. Any, he did not have Joaquin at his back or front, really. <laughs> like, he would have won away with this. So for me, it's Adam Driver for Marriage Story, I think, as a clear, clear contender. It's tough because... There, there's two front runners for me in this category, and I still haven't decided who I'm going to go with. Of course, there's Adam Driver, but I also think Leo in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fantastic. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to make an on the fly decision, but I'm going to have to go. Uh, I want to I want to say Adam Driver, but I I I got to go with my man Leo. Um, I feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is running away today. <laughs> but I just think he he was so great um, as Rick Dalton in, in this movie and um, just the embodiment of the change in Hollywood through one character was, was fantastic and, and he held his own in that movie. was an easy choice for me this is adam drivers all the way um, <laughs> marriage story is just a great movie in general but it is elevated by its performances um if this performance if this movie was in the year before or the year after adam driver would win this year and i have not seen the father but as much as we love chadwick um i think adam driver would have beat him this year mm. and i think he would have beat easily beat Rami lip sync Malik. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this was Adam Driver's all the way. Can't say enough about this performance. This this was an easy choice for me. So let's move on to Best Actress now, and this was Renee Zellweger's, and we have now made it to the category that I did not see this movie. I have not seen Judy, so mm. I cannot speak on that, but you both have. Mm-hmm. So she won. She is out. Who we got, Phoenix? All right, so with the replacement, uh, your lead actress lineup goes like this. Cynthia Revo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and now Aquafina 
for the farewell. So, with that lineup, I wish I could say it was tough, but it isn't. I'm going with Scarlett Johansson. I think clear favorite, honest to God. I'm like, I liked Renee Zellweger and Judy, but I I was really kind of hoping for an upset here. I really thought Scarlett would take this because I think her work in Marriage Story is fantastic. Some of her strongest work, I think, of her career uh, was done in both Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. So it made sense that she was a double nominee that year. Uh, so, but for me, clear favorite, clear runaways, probably should have taken it on Oscar night, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. I'm gonna hit those same beats, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite Scarlett Johansson performance that I've seen. More than Black Widow, more than, more than Jojo Rabbit, more than anything else I've seen her in. Lost in Translation. Um, she was fantastic. This was her award. Like I said, I did not see Judy, so I cannot speak on that. But look, in, in Phoenix's mind, in my mind, since we're scratching, scratching Joaquin and Renee, Marriage Story walks away with the best actor and best actress. And I think it's absolutely deserved. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's very sad that she didn't win it once again. I think if she was in this year, she would have won. But nonetheless, did not happen. Let's move on to the biggest category of them all, of course. That is Best Picture. Parasite is the winner. That means it's out the door. Man, Parasite's not going to win anything today in these awards. Yeah, they, they, they won all the real awards. They won all the real ones. Like it should have been. So right. you got Best Picture and Phoenix. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm hyped to see where you guys go with this one. So what are the nominees? Let's tell it. Let's hear. All right. So now with our new Best Picture lineup. Your nominees are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and your new nominee joining the lineup is, I want to see you guys' faces for this, Uncut Gems. <laughs> <laughs> so... With that lineup, <laughs> with that lineup, uh, it, this actually is is a bit tougher. Uh, it's a bit tougher than I thought it would be. Best picture, of course, it's tough. Yeah, best picture. Uh, oh, I'm torn. Uh, you know what? One of you guys go first. I got to think on this for a second. <laughs> Well, this is easy for me because this was my best picture winner. Um, solidly my best picture winner. Um, and that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> it's so obvious to me. I I don't like all, all of my my beef on the overhypedness of Parasite aside. I do not know how this did not win best picture. I Seriously, I do not know because Hollywood loves itself. It loves movies about itself. This this was a lock to win Best Picture. I don't know how it did not win because it was about Hollywood and Hollywood loves that. So I have no idea how this didn't win. It deserves to win, first off. Like we have talked about all day is that it combines a tragedy. It combines the changing over of old Hollywood to new Hollywood. There's so many 
deeper meanings with the characters and the story and and connecting that to to everything going on today it's it's crazy how this did not win best picture but i'm not gonna let it it not win my best picture so go ahead phoenix i'm still deciding go ahead no that's <laughs> that's bs you should <laughs> uh i oh god you know what i I picked it for actor, and I picked it for screenplay, and I picked it for actress. There's no way I can't go with Marriage Story. It's my it's it was my number one film of the year. It's in my opinion the best film of 2019. Uh, yeah, like I, in my if Parasite hadn't swept in my mind in my world, Marriage Story would have been the sweep of the Oscar season of 2019. So. That's where I'm going, marriage story. I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three times. <laughs> oh, God. Since its release, which is a lot. That's a lot. Three times in a year and a half is a mm -hmm. lot. And I'm not complaining. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I thought it should have won Best Picture at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And I agree that Parasite is a bit overrated. It's a great movie, but people are calling this one of the best movies of all time. One of the best movies ever. It's the highest rated thing on Letterboxd. No, come on, stop. Stop playing around. <laughs> it's not even the best movie that year. That's true. That's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I thought I had this locked up as well. In our previous awards show, uh, back on, on Nick and I's old podcast, I said this was my best picture winner. Phoenix, you, Nick, and I all had a lengthy conversation in person. Mm -hmm. I said this was my best picture winner. Am I sticking to my guns now? No, I'm not. <laughs> All three of us are going to pick three different Best Picture winners. Really? After I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the third time, I still said, yeah, that's a great movie. Yes, I love this movie. This could be on my favorite films. This is absolutely great. But I don't think it's Best Picture winner. I just don't. With what 1917 does, oh, okay. it <laughs> absolutely deserved to win. We can talk about no character development. We can talk about... All we want, and how the cinematography carries. But at the end of the day, that's the point. This is such a technical masterpiece that it deserved to win. It is still my best movie of 2019, and I stand by that. I think this is one of the most important movies ever made. Nick and I are making a top 100 bucket list movies. This is absolutely on it. I, I don't see how this didn't win, to be honest with you. It won at the Globes. It won at the Globes. But to me, with what the Academy is looking for in a Best Picture winner, this has pretty much all of what they're looking for. And to <laughs> me, this is a movie that I can't wait to share with people that haven't seen it, that I can't wait to share with my kids, that I think when we look back in 20 years, we're not going to say oh man, Parasite didn't deserve to win because I don't think that's going to be said. But I think we're going to look back at 20 years and say, wow, 1917's probably the best movie that didn't win Best Picture in, in a long time. So we got three different picks for that category. That's that's wow. that's the most fun. Yeah, that, that just goes to show how great of a year 2019 was where like... It, even if, and, and if you include the winner, yeah, like 
we'd still have all like at least I think you you can have 20 people on here we might have had at least 10 different answers no one would have would have had a consensus so but yeah overall I think 2019 was a was in my in my life the best year of movies uh, in my life I don't know so go sorry go ahead oh no no anything before then I can't speak on but in my lifetime 2019 was fantastic well that was a blast we're going to be doing this again with another year at some point so make sure you stick around hopefully you had fun with that hopefully it wasn't too confusing but we got new winners i wonder how many of we if we included the winner how many we actually agree with but i digress let's move on to film code So, Nick, it was your code word this week. It's fun. I, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. So, why don't you remind everyone what your clues were? Yes. Uh, so, my code word was growth. The year was 2010 to 2018. Features a lead of an iconic trilogy and only has one writer who is also the director, Phoenix. Go ahead, because I already know what Nathan's pick is. <laughs> and I already know that he got it, so. Oh, crap. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, I just want to correct the record. I think in our last episode, I got the numbers wrong. So, actually, Nathan is at 10. He, he's currently at 10. He might be at 11 after this, but. Uh, at 11. So, how yeah. much am I up right now? Uh, still up by, well, probably four at the end of this because right, so uh, Nick Nick is at eight and I am currently at six. So here we go. Here's my guess. And my guess is The Tree of Life, uh, written and directed by Terrence Malick, uh, 2011, and stars Brad Pitt, who was in the Oceans trilogy. That's what I got. The Tree of Life. Nathan Tone. The answer which it's just, you know, I, I, Nick and I talked about this movie like a month ago. So it's a little bit fresh on the brain. And then when I saw that Richard Linklater directed this and oh. it's Ethan Hawke was in it, who was in the before trilogy and that movie's boyhood, which is all about growth. Oh. <laughs> 2014's boyhood is the answer. I'm up for this is a movie Nick and I both want to watch because of how they wait. Richard Linklater waited for the star to grow up instead of casting a older actor so they could get the movie done in, in a normal amount of time. He actually waited for the actor to grow up to properly represent change in time and, and how people truly grow up and, and change. So yeah, wonderful, but I'm happy I'm up four. Uh, you got anything to say? No, nothing to say. Okay. Mm-mm. I'm hype. Up four. I, I can rest rest easy for a couple months. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Phoenix, I think it's your code word. Do you have one for us? Of course I do. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. All right. So your code word is Espanol. Yes, not Spanish, Espanol. <laughs> Did that on purpose. 
Uh, your clues are, uh, let me get this year correct. Your clues, your clues are between 2000 and 2010. All right. And um, your other clue is that it features a problematic director. All right. That's it? No, no. One more clue. <laughs> one more clue is uh, features an actor who was in phase two of the MCU. Phase two of the MCU and problematic director from 2000 to 2010. Your code word is Espanol. All right. Got it? Right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see if I can expand my lead next week. Jesus Christ, please, no. <laughs> All right, well, Nick, why don't you uh, wrap us up and, and tell everyone where to find you? You can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. Um, yeah, that's it. Wow, you got nothing to say today, huh? All right, Phoenix, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Reviews one That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin. And please follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at film code pod see you guys next week my name is nathan pig it's been a pleasure hosting with you guys thank you so much for being here you can follow me on letterbox at nathan pig but make sure you go follow the show over on twitter at film code pod on instagram at film code pod on tiktok at film code pod if you're not following us over there you're really missing out however you're listening to this please make sure you go and check out our other episodes we do weekly wandavision reviews so Maybe if you haven't watched that yet, you can listen to each episode as we go along. We've done a giant recap episode. By the time this has come out, you'll be able to listen to that. And just we have a ton of other side content. So hope you enjoyed listening. Please go ahead and check out our other stuff. Thanks, Phoenix. Thanks, Nick. This has been Film Code. Peace.